just a quick heads up that these are adults having adult conversations about things that take place on a show where the adults use a lot of adult language. All this to say, there might be some salty language ahead, so please plan accordingly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Are we nuts for doing this? Yeah, this is nuts. Hey, but taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse, isn't it? If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. Okay, good night, good night, coach. What would Ted Lasso do? This is a question that we explore in each episode of this podcast. We take the lessons we learn from Ted Lasso and we apply them to the real world through the lens of leadership and positive psychology. My name is Dimple Dabalia. And my name is Jeff Harry. And neither of us have ever recorded a podcast. But as Ted Lasso says, taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed making it, and that it helps you find new ways to believe. I am so excited that we are finally getting to this. So today we are talking about season one, episode one called Pilot. And this one was written by Jason Sudeikis and Bill Lawrence and directed by Tom Marshall. Yeah. So let's jump into that first episode. What did you think? Like what stood out to you? So uh, what stood out to me watching it, I literally watched it like 30 minutes ago. Like, so like, it's <laughs> like probably fresh. Smart. It was fresh. <laughs> there are a lot of metaphors, man. There's a lot of like, he says, I mean, there are two metaphors that really like resonated with me. Mm-hmm. But one of them was like, they're on the plane. He's just like, is it crazy? Like, it's like that we're, that we're doing this. And, you know, I don't know who's the other character's name. What's his coach? Best coach word? Beard. Coach Beard. Coach so Beard. Played, played by Brendan Hunt. Coach Beard is just like, yeah, this is crazy. And then he goes, well, if you're riding a horse and it's comfortable, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I was like, what? And it's both like funny and ridiculous but actually kind of true too. <laughs> like, like you've got to be a little uncomfortable, right? Like that's where all like the magic and the excitement and like the adventure is, is yeah. sometimes a lot of times being uncomfortable. And, you know, a lot of times we run to like comfortability and that's where like apathy shows up and that's where like we get malaise. And then we're like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Well, it's because, you know, we've been kind of, kind of lazy for a while. So the, the way to get us out of it is to actually get uncomfortable by doing something that you actually think is exciting. Yeah. Or on the flip side, like the perfectionism side, right? Like where we get stuck in yeah. wanting to be perfect and knowledgeable and really know how to do everything and not wanting to get into that discomfort, you know? And I thought that that was actually a really big part of this episode too, right? Like he knows nothing about this part. And Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even realize that because what's crazy is like, think about when they had the press event. Mm-hmm. So they're all grilling this guy and being like, you're an idiot. And like, why are you doing here? And you don't even know anything about soccer. But then the owner comes in. What's her name? Rebecca. Rebecca played by- I love that. I'm just asking you these names. Like, Who are these people? I don't know these. <laughs> Rebecca 
is like, we've been mediocre for years. Like we've been average and meh and you are okay with this rather than like us at least trying. Obviously she's trying to sabotage the organization, but, but the art, but still the idea that a lot of times we are okay with meh and it's just like, why are we okay with meh? (laughs) Yeah. And we just get comfortable in that. Right. And we don't necessarily even notice that it's meh anymore. Yeah, I I loved that too, where she she just calls out the profound like mediocrity. And this is where she introduces that idea of the lasso way. And so, uh, which I thought was interesting too. Oh, what wait, Um, how did she introduce it? So she, you know, as she's talking about that she's been there longer than or like she's watched more games than anyone. Yeah. And she says, you know, what's what we've been doing hasn't been working. And so we are going to try this a new way. And that's the lasso way. Oh, and so, oh. yeah. Yeah. So what is, what does the lasso way mean to you? <laughs> uh, the the lasso way. <laughs> I think it again, I'm going to go to another analogy as he's packing his bag into the into the uh, Nathan's car. See, I remember Nathan. I remember the guy that everyone forgets. Nick right? Muhammad, yeah. And that oh, is okay. fascinating, the Nathan story, because I love the fact that like nobody remembers my name. Like nobody right. even asked my name. And he and yeah. Lasso's the first, like again, tying in a positive psychology, right? Other people mattering, right? Like exactly. ooh, I love that. But then he says the harder you work, the luckier you get. Lasso says that as he's like putting the bag into the car. And, and I'm like, that I think is, is the lasso way is like, I'm going to keep trying and mm-hmm. hopefully things will get better. But I trust that like there's light at the end of the tunnel or there's luck just around the corner. What about you? I agree. And I think for me, the lasso way is really just like that idea of having that growth mindset. Right. So even mm-hmm. in the, the press conference, I love how he just starts off by saying, you know, let's just address the larger than normal elephant in the room <laughs> and the fact that he knows about the sport and then they throw all those questions at him and he finally just says you know that regardless of what he knows what he does know is that you know any just like any other team he's coached that they're going to go out there and like give it his all give it their all of course he says for four, Play four quarters. quarters right yeah. Plays four quarters. <laughs> but yeah ah, but this two idea. halves two <laughs> halves and then the, the tie and all the other stuff but but it's this idea that like you know, you can have that perspective of what can I learn from this situation? And I think that this, to your original point of other people matter being kind of the foundation of positive psychology, like I, I feel like this show really epitomizes that, right? And from that first moment, like, I really love that connection that he and Beard have, like, just the mm-hmm. fact that they finish each other's sentences and mm-hmm. just a little like glances and looks at each other, you know, when they meet people and stuff like that. But as soon as they get the plane and they meet the driver, you know, the first thing he does is introduce himself, uh, you know, says, hey, I'm Ted, what's your name? And, yep. and same thing, yep. right? Like, like you said, like asking them and it just felt so authentic. Like, it's not yep. one of those things where you can tell that that's who he is, that he, he mm-hmm. wants to know people, right? And so to me, like the lasso way is very much about like, what am I going to learn? What, what curiosity can I bring into this as we will learn, you know, later on um, down the series, like that, that curiosity piece is such a big one, but, but yeah, it just, I love that. And that really stuck with me too. You know, that, that, 
that place where it was like, are you, you want to know my name? Like nobody asked my name. And then later yeah. when they're out on the field, he's well, you remembered my name, you know? And yeah. it just like, it warms right. your heart because it's like, oh my gosh, like it's such a small, tiny little act, but like such a huge impact they can have on people. But he even does it with, is it Healy or? Keely, Keely? yeah. Keely, Keely, yeah. When he covers her up. Like he covers the, the, you know, the, the provocative photo up and she like appreciates that. And she thought at the time he probably was like ogling over it and whatever it is. And that's, I think, the other part that they, like, he has no hidden agenda. Right. He's yeah. showing up with like this childlike curiosity. Even when he arrives, he's like, I'm sleepy, but let me go see Tower. You know, let me go see this bridge. Right. He doesn't <laughs> even know what bridge it is. Right. But he's just and then he's like, even when he's talking to the owner, she's like, you want a tour? And he's like, yeah, I want a tour of like Abbey, whatever road or something like that. And she's like, no, of the facility. Like she, he's just there, just like enjoying the experience in the moment. Yeah. And he's not he's not carrying a lot of like burden. That's the part of like being almost childlike with his curiosities. Like he's not caring a lot. So then it's so interesting when he finally is brought into the press room because it's mm -hmm. like negativity is so easy to run to and everyone on that side is negative and it's just him it's like 150 200 people in the room that are all negative and being like you should be negative too and he's he's believing he's believing that it's possible that that there's a new way swag on today uh yeah and it is so easy to get sucked in, right? Like, I can't imagine, you know, I'm curious for you if you've been in that situation before where, you know, like you're, you're in a place where you, even if you feel like you know what you're doing, like, I, I can't imagine being in a situation like that where I genuinely don't have any like understanding of the thing that I'm getting into. And then to just be like, yeah, it's okay. You know, like, I don't know this, but I trust like the people around me are going to, you know, and that's the other thing, right? Like he's got that relationship with Beard, who is a sponge. Like we, when we meet Beard, he's on the plane reading like all these soccer books, right? So he's, and, and Ted even says to him, you're such a sponge, right? But Beard is constantly taking all this stuff in and he, he's going to be the person that Ted trusts and knows is going to know the sport inside and out. Ted doesn't need to know that part because his for him, it's about the relationships and the coaching, yeah. right? And and that's the other thing, like, you know, in positive psychology, when we think about the, the idea of coaching people, right, it is very much about bringing in that sense of like, uh, bringing out the best of the person that you're working with, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what he's all about is he's more focused on those connections and creating those strong bonds and relationships than and he doesn't care about the wins or losses, right? For him, yeah. it's really about like the game. It's about creating that the best version of his, you know, like for each person to be the best version of themselves at all times. And and I love that. Like, I just think that's such a, an amazing like way to, to bring that out of people. He's also, I recognize, not driven by his ego because at one point Keely comes to pick up uh, Jamie Tart. Jamie Tart, Jamie Tart gets to pick up <laughs> Jamie Tart, and he just lets him go. Now, most coaches would be like, "That is the bad move. Like you, this is your moment to show that you know what you're doing, and that he can't leave because you're giving the first speech of 
and it's going to be so important. And he's just like, all right, you know, and most yeah. people wouldn't do that. Right. But again, if you're saying what you said, if it's a, about relationships right now, he's just in the mode of just like observing and he's only focused on the things that he can control, like him and beard, like, okay, what can they control? They can put the believe sign up. They can move their desks in a way that is like much more communal for them. Right. But yeah. They don't really have much control right now. So they're like just open to like observing, which is actually really hard to do whenever you're walking into like a foreign place. Well, and also, you know, that that thing about Jamie being like, oh, I got to go get waxed. Uh, you know, I can stay if you want me to. It was interesting because I was kind of watching like the other faces and you can see that everyone's looking to see what Ted's going to do, you know? Yeah. I think the writing on the show is really interesting because like for me, this first episode was really just an introduction to all the characters, right? Mm -hmm. Like all the main characters get introduced one after another in this episode. And in that 30 minutes, like we learned so much about each person just by the few like words and actions that they speak. But I think what's interesting is that, uh, you know, as I was watching uh, like Roy Kent staring at Ted Lasso in that moment, you know, there's this sense that they think he's going to be this pushover, you know, that he is, you know, like whatever. And, uh, and it's really interesting. And it's, it's, you know, to your point about him taking his ego out of it. Like, I feel like if I was in that situation, like I, it would be all over my face and I'd be so frustrated and annoyed, like right off the bat. And so, yeah, to like, to stay composed and just be like, yeah, all right. But I, to your point, like, I think he really is just taking it in and trying to like figure out who each person is. And, and he even says later on with Beard, he goes like, we're going to win him over. Like we're going <laughs> to win him over with kindness. And Beard completely says he's like, and he knows it because maybe they did that at Wichita State. He's just like, ooh, Kent's going to hate that. That guy's, yeah. and he will, he will hate that he likes Lasso. So it's almost like Beard understands also the lasso way from the last place yeah. of like winning people over with kindness or with whatever gesture, because I guess what he's doing all the time, and this kind of, I guess, reminds me of play. I'm a play guy, right? Yeah. Is this idea of attunement, like Dr. Stuart Brown, this play, this amazing play researcher, like the best of it. I was, I was talking to him and he was saying like, when a mom and a baby like look at each other, they get attuned and then they literally have the same wave brain waves. Like they match up perfectly. And what we're doing all the time, even with everybody is we're always looking for attunement. Well, mm -hmm. that's the first level of play. Just like, how are we attuned? And I feel like that is what Lasso is always doing with each gesture. It's like, a gesture of attunement, a gesture of like play, like, oh, do you want to connect with me? Like, hey, Nathan, I remember your name. I actually want to connect with you again. And some people are vibing with that. And then others are going to hate it because they've never felt that level of attunement because that's real. Like that's real relationship. That's real. Like being that's real. Someone seeing you for you. And it's like, ooh, a lot of people yeah. don't want to be that vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And the vulnerability piece, I think, is really just such a, a key. Have you still, uh, I know we've talked in the past, like you had not watched the second season. Is that still the case? No, I haven't. Yeah. So vulnerability is like on steroids in season two. <laughs> so 
But yeah, like, I think that that's, that's interesting. And, and in terms of that connection, you know, like every person he meets, he does try to make that special connection, you know, in some way. And so even like, when he calls on Trent Krim at the um, press conference, Mm -hmm. immediate thing is like, Oh, I I like your glasses, you know, like he and and it doesn't yeah. sound like this fake, like, because yeah. it takes Trent Cram off guard for a second. He's like, oh, well, yeah. thanks, you know? And then, like, he launches into this thing. And then because I'm about to punch <laughs> you in the face, right? And you just complimented me. Oh, yeah. that I didn't even realize that. That's huge. Oh. I really appreciate that about, about him. Like, I think that that actually makes it really fun. But the other part about play that came up for me as I was watching was, you know, this is something that I struggle with a lot is um, taking myself too seriously. And maybe that doesn't fall under play, but I, I think about it in that way, because it's one of the things I admire about you is like, I think that you just have this personality where you're, you know, you're making jokes and things like that. And I was laughing because when I watched it again, um, that, that scene where we first first get introduced to Ted Lasso is actually through Sports Center, where they're showing the video of him dancing. Oh, he's doing yeah. The dancing. Yeah. And it reminded me of the first time I met you because we met at Camp Good Life Project. And I remembered uh, you know, they had that dance party at the end or whatever. And I just remember like seeing you like in your element. And so that actually just reminded me of that. But like people just say such horrible things to him, you know? So like the whole thing with Roy Kent, uh, you know, that last scene that they have together uh, and Ted says, you know, you, you've had a great career. And Roy says, uh, yeah. And I didn't think it would end by being coached by Ronald fucking McDonald, you know? Yes, <laughs> and, like, and instead, you know, and again, like that's just, it's so like hurtful. And yet uh, when he walks away, he looks at Beard. He's like, you know, let him talk to you like that. Like, you know, and Beard's like, I don't think he was talking to me. And so, you know, and he just kind of laughs it off. And and that's when he makes the comment about, oh, he's going to be so mad when we win him over, yeah. you know, you know, and so like this ability to kind of let things roll off your back a little bit more and not take them so seriously. And just, I guess, have that like faith that they're going to come around, like it's going to be okay. Well, have that faith as well as believe it's not about you. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. That that's it's a good not point. like whatever these people are saying, this stuff is yeah. coming a lot from their own ish. Right. It's their own. Yeah. And here's a weird story that like it's perfect that I'm sharing this now because I just watched <laughs> it. So so Jason Sudeikis, when he was on SNL, he was a, he was a writer on SNL, as everyone knows. Right. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't getting a lot of spot he wasn't getting any on-camera roles Uh and then he was about to quit he told lauren michaels like hey you know i don't know if this is going to work out and then he just so happened to be dancing during i don't know something and he was doing this like ridiculous dance all of those moves he was doing it at some point and a bunch of the on-camera people were like that dude is hilarious we need to put him on camera and that's how he got his first camera roll. And he has like a skit in SNL where he yeah. wears a tracksuit. The red, red tracksuit. Track and just dances the same dance. So it's ironic that that is the first clip. I didn't even realize yeah. that until you told me like, that's the first clip. And yeah. what's interesting too is talk about attunement, right? Like we're talking about play and attunement. Like to see how much his team is vibing with him, right? During the yes. And you're like, he had got them all bought in. By that time, he had got them all bought in. And it was like, 
there's no way he's going to do that again. There's just no way. And it's just like, well, maybe like it starts with one, right? It started yeah. with Nathan, then it starts with like the owner and it starts with Roy and it starts with Tart. And it's interesting than his strategy, because in his strategy, basically, is just like one at a time, one conversation at a time, one interaction at a time. And even when I have that interaction, if it doesn't go well, that's not the last interaction I'll have with that person. So I'm just going to yeah. keep going. Yeah. I love what you just said about like, it's not about me, right? Because I think we get sucked into that so quickly. Like, it's so easy to just be like, what did I do? Like, why does this person hate me? What, you know, like, and you're right. Like nine times out of 10, it probably isn't about you. And so to be able to have that wisdom and that self-awareness to just be like, eh, this isn't about me. Like I can laugh this off because, you know, they're going to become self-aware soon enough. And the other piece about like the ripple effects and just like what it really takes one person to start a ripple effect. Right. And I mm. love the, that opening sequence that the <laughs> opening song and all of that, bless you in that opening sequence, we see Ted Lasso sitting in that stadium alone. And then Whoa. all the seats around him start to change color and yep. all the graffiti starts to go away. Right. And I've heard him yep. talk on other um, interviews and stuff about how, it was meant to show exactly that, that one person can have such an impact on the people around them. So here's a funny thing, though. I did pause the um, show as I was watching because I was curious. Like, I had never looked at, like, what the seats actually say. It's pretty funny. So it had stuff like relegate Rebecca, yep. uh, the beard, Roy Kent will kill your gran, <laughs> ref get off your knees, uh, Kent's bent, Greyhound till I die, and in Kent we trust. Those are the ones that I caught. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was really funny. But yeah, like it's pretty amazing. I just wrote an article about this recently about, you know, it it really takes one person to be able to to start that that change that needs to happen. And that takes a lot of courage, I think, too, you know, mm -hmm. because you are going to come across a lot of people who just aren't going to see things the way that you do or uh, going back to that feeling of like, you know, we're comfortable in this place that we know. We don't need to step outside to something that's where we're going to fight, you know, feel uncomfortable and get pushed a little bit. And so, but yeah, like it takes that one person to start that. To think about the opposite, right? To think about the press room. I keep thinking about the press room, right? Because she even said it hasn't been this filled in years. So all these people show up that are like angry. They're angry that change is coming. They don't like change, even though they've been living in mediocrity for so long. They, yeah. you know, it's that whole devil that, you know, right? Like we'd yeah. rather continue to be mediocre than be the laugh than potentially be the laughing stock of the league. Right. And I yeah. think that's the part that also a lot of people struggle with. I struggle with it myself as well. It's just like this idea of like, Oh, well, I could put something out there and then look like a real idiot. Or I could just play it safe and not do anything, you know, and I'll be fine. That part fascinates me. The other thing that struck for me when you were when you were talking <laughs> is this idea of like small wins and small wins that sometimes you don't even see. So one of the small wins I noticed early was so when they were showing the press briefing, right? They showed those guys in the bar. Do you remember oh, those yeah. guys in yeah. the bar? 
And there's yeah, this one black funny. dude and like and Lasso makes a joke. I don't know what the joke is. Just the, oh, like about. Yeah. yeah. Like if you ended a game in the, in a tie in America, it would be the apocalypse. And yeah. then one black dude like laughs. And one black dude's like, that's kind of funny. And everyone's like, don't laugh. Don't support him. You know, we're all against yeah. him. You can't be against him. And he's just like and it's just like all oh, you need you. A lot of times you don't even know what progress you're making and the impact you're having on people like ever, frankly. Yep. So yep. to think about that from time to time and be like, oh, maybe I am making a little bit of progress might bring a little bit more hope and motivation to your life. Yeah, for sure. Like there's a really great TED talk. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's um, it's on everyday leadership. I can't remember the name of the guy who did it, but but he talks about exactly that, that if you're lucky, you'll find out one day because somebody will tell you, but you have no idea the impact that you make on the people around you on a day-to-day basis, right? So that little word of encouragement or that authentic, hey, how's it going? Like what's new with you? You know, just taking that moment to connect with people. And I think like, especially in the pandemic, like that's been a big thing, right? We've been so isolated. I mean, now we're kind of, starting to get back out there but i feel like there's so much trauma <laughs> anyway that like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel the same but i know like when we were at the height of it and we were in lockdown and stuff you know i really tried to reach out to people just to be like yep. you know how's it going like are you doing okay because i knew like especially if you were on your own like it was so isolating and just that little bit of hey someone took the time to check in on me can go so mm-hmm. far to impacting people and so towards building that trust and connection that we're all seeking as human beings, right? Like we need that sense of connection to survive and so, and and thrive. Right. So it's funny. I'm trying to think if I remember watching Ted Lasso before I did this or after I did this, Yeah, whatever, either way. So when I was during the pandemic, I had to fly back and take care of my nephew and whatnot in Chicago. I, I usually live in Oakland. But at one point I moved into like this new place, right? In the suburbs of Chicago. And I was like, how do I introduce myself to people during a pandemic? So what I did was I wrote a little note. I think I typed a little note being like, hey, you know, I'm Jeff. I live here, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but I just wanted to say hello. And then I bought them um, Starbucks gift cards. Wow. Like $5 Starbucks gift cards that I gave it to the four neighbors. And I just put it like in, you know, on their door. I never met them. I, I don't yeah. think I ever met them ever. But yeah. even that, it was just like, oh, this is nice. And then a few people actually wrote me back, which was really actually interesting. But I'm now thinking of it. I was like, that's such a lasso thing to do, right? Like that's it such, is a, such a lasso thing to do. Yeah. And I did it with like no goal of like, you know, or like, oh, am I going to get a response or not? It was just like, I'm just going to do this. I had this epiphany to do it and I'm just going to do it right now because I'm thinking about it right now. And then I'm done. And then I forgot about it. And then there was some reciprocation back. So it's like, oh, yeah, how do I do more of those gestures? Because that gesture was so brief, but also very memorable for me. Mm-hmm. Probably also impact other people's lives. How do I do more of those? Mm-hmm. That's a nice one. But let me ask you. So in doing that, you know, had you not received reciprocation, like, would you still have felt good though about doing yeah, that? I felt I felt good as soon as I put the card and the letter there. 
I think that's something that also got me through the pandemic is when I would reach out to people. I knew whenever yeah. I reached out and connected with people, even if I was just emailing someone and just be like, hey, we haven't talked in a while. I just want to say you're awesome. I thought yeah. about that. That alone would make me feel really good, whether they contacted me back or not. So every year I participate in this thing called the You Matter campaign. Um, ooh, God, ooh, and I'm just like, ooh. I'm having such like memory issues today, but like, I don't remember the woman who started this. She basically had been, you know, in a grocery store and was leaving the grocery store. And she saw like this woman with her kid, the kid was having a tantrum. The woman was clearly like really struggling. And she, you know, she just took a moment just to like, let her know that, that she saw her and that, you know, to make her feel less alone and and whatever. And so it got her thinking and she ended up also doing a TED talk, but she now does this thing where like you can order these, you, these cards, they're these little cards that say you matter. And, and I love it. Like, I love just so like when I go to like Trader Joe's or whatever, I'll just like stick them in the plants and, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't know who's picking them up, but like, mm-hmm. I love knowing that someone's going to pick that up and be like, huh, this is really cool, you know? And so there's really something to be said that, you know, it isn't always about like the reciprocation, right? And when we think about these yes. positive emotions that we want yes. to cultivate. And when we think about gratitude and stuff, um, you know, that idea of, of sending that gratitude letter or letting someone know yes. um, how they've impacted you, we get as much out of it as the other person does, you know, and, and yeah. that, that feels so good. And I'm not saying like, that's the reason to do it, but like, it's an added benefit for sure, you know? Yeah. yeah, it reminds me of I I have some of those you matter cards in my wallet as we speak. So I got to go back and like uh, pass more of those out, but it reminds me of uh Jennifer Gines, I don't know if you know her, the uh, Oh yeah, the, yeah. My dear you know, friend Jen Gines. Yeah. So yeah. the ki- kindness. She, you know, she runs workshops on kindness and yeah. she had us do our like kindness challenge. Quest. Yeah. Or kindness quest, right? We like yep, went yep. out um on and we had to write these notes in like in like triangle form, kind of like when we were like in elementary school or junior high, right? And I remember walking with one person and we were, she was holding it and she was just like, this is meant for somebody, someone like really important. And she had written something really powerful in the message. And then as we're walking, we remember uh, a couple coming around the corner. And she's like, it's meant for her. And she walks right up to her and I'm right next to her. And um, she goes, this was meant for you. I'm supposed to give this to you. And she gives it to her and then they go off on their way. And I was, and I was like, oh, how'd it feel? And she's like, yeah, oh, that felt really good. Anyway, like that night, somehow we found out it was somebody that is like quite well known on the internet. And she had posted the photo of the thing and was like, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Like I was really struggling. And then this random angel came and gave me this note. And I was like, whoa. And talk about a ripple effect, right? If Jennifer doesn't come up with the kindness quest, Jennifer doesn't take the risk to create the kind contagious, right? If she doesn't come up with the idea of the notes, if we then don't agree you know, to write the notes and and participate in the quest. And then we actually then go out and do a bunch of things and take the risk of going up to her. None of that actually happens. So it's like, 
there's so much attunement. I keep going back to that word, right? Yeah. But there's yeah. so much like play. There's so much like gestures of like, well, I'm going to gesture, but I don't know if I'm going to get it back, but I'm going to do it anyway. That caused that ripple to happen. I think we see our days so much in a meh way because we don't give ourselves credit for the ripples that we have every day. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's true because we probably are impacting people and and not even realizing it. So yeah, I like that a lot. Through the work that we do, we know that positive emotions are a good thing, right? And within limits. <laughs> and um, you know, gratitude is a good thing. And that the more that we cultivate these things, the more we we find reasons to find them and um, creates those like upward spirals, right? But, you know, like Ted, even in this first episode, you see a lot of like jokes, right? So there's a, the one where Rebecca's like, oh, do you believe in ghosts? And he says, oh, yeah. he says I, I, I do, but I, you know, I think it's more important that they believe in themselves, you know? And you, you see like her facial expression where she's like, she doesn't know what to do with that, right? She's like, okay. And then that's when she like leads him to the press room. And there was like several of those throughout the episode and, and throughout the series. And like, what was interesting is, you know, you see him as kind of this positive person and then you get to the end of the episode and he's mm-hmm. in his apartment and, you know, he's talking to his wife and, uh, you know, and that's one thing I love about Jason Sudeikis, like he's a phenomenal actor and just like watching those facial, like those really small facial expressions and stuff. And you can see the little bits of hurt that, yeah. uh, you know, because he is so in love with his family and, yeah. Uh, you know, and his wife wants space from him. He's like come across the ocean to give her that. He tells her he loves her, and it's clear that she has, she doesn't say it back to him, right? Yeah. And I remember like the first time I watched that, I was kind of thinking about like, you know, if you had someone who was this positive and like, you know, who joked around this much, and like, why would you want space from them? But but there is this element of potentially things becoming that in going into that space of toxic positivity, right? Yeah. And so I'm curious, yeah. like, like, what do you think that line is? And do you think that Ted hits that line? Or do you think that it's like, does he stay below it? Like, what do you think the... I think that line is when it's not authentic, when it's not you. Like, the mm. if you think about it from my perspective, right? Yeah. He's himself the whole show. The whole show, I feel like he's just fully himself. But at the end, and you you spark this for me, right? When he's calling her, like, it's the first time you see his hair, like, combed really nicely. And it almost feels, like, fake. Because, like, it's so... And he's also, like, trying to be very careful. He's careful with, like, his son. He's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize it was this time. I thought you were yeah. be in school or whatever it is. I thought it was nighttime there, too, because he forgot about it. And then with her, like, so I think that's like the first time where you see him, in my opinion, trying. There's a lot of trying. There's a lot of tiptoeing around eggshells. And I'm, I, you know, I felt huh. that when I've been in a, a toxic relationship where I don't know yeah. how to act anymore because it's just like too, like, yeah. if I say this, I'm going to offend him. If I say this, I'm going to offend him. It's like, so yeah. And it's hard to like figure out that line when you're in it. I hate toxic positivity, right? Like I'm all about it. Um, I'm all about being, you know, hopeful, but I'm all about feeling all the feelings as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the part, the toxic positivity part 
the line for me is when you're always trying to be happy and yeah. you don't allow yourself to feel any of the other feelings, sadness, you know, regret, you know, anger, you know, and I say this a lot. There's like, there's a beauty to sadness, right? Like even, 100%, yeah. know, I, I, I just, you know, um, of someone I knew just passed away that was like really young. It was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. But, and then I, I heard like, well, what is grief, right? Grief is unexpressed love. Yeah. Like that's what it is. So it's just like, oh, but there's a beauty to being sad. Like when my dad died, like I both felt sadness, but then all of his like brothers showed up, like his four brothers who hadn't seen each other since their mom died. So then yeah. I felt a certain level of joy. And I was like, could I feel joy and sadness at the same time? Could I feel, you know, anger and, you know, and happiness? Like, and I think mm-hmm. that's the part that, that are you allowing yourself to feel all of the different feelings or are you pigeonholing yourself to being like, well, this is what everyone thinks I am. I'm positive yeah. all the time. So I have to be positive all the time. That's yeah. my thing. But what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I, in the course that I teach, I teach a mindfulness course called MPEAK. And um, in that we talk about this idea of spiritual bypassing, right? So mm-hmm. that is, you know, that goes hand in hand with toxic positivity. And it's this idea that we're just going to sugarcoat everything, or it's those platitudes of like, uh, it could be worse or, you know, it is what it is. And and there's definitely wisdom in all of those, right? Like there's times where we need to hear that. But to your point, like I agree. And I love like Brene Brown talks about how you can't selectively numb your feelings, right? So you can't really experience true joy um, and connection if you're not going to allow yourself to experience the sadness and disconnection that we sometimes feel, you know? And so you have to be able to experience those in order to really fully be able to experience like the positive ones. And so I agree. I think it is where, you know, that, that line for me also is where you're trying to just be positive in the face of everything when really sometimes there's nothing to be positive about, you know, and, uh, or in that moment there isn't necessarily. And so yeah, so I, I kind of agree with that. Um, I'm sorry, I was just thinking about like, uh, I had the same experience when when my mom passed away too, where like, I was definitely like sad and broken about it. But I also, at the same time, had really strong feelings of gratitude, because the family was there to support us because she didn't suffer long, you know, like, um, because we got some really good time together before she passed, you know, and so so it is interesting to to be able to, uh, it's not an either or, but a, a yes and yes. kind of thing where you can feel both at the same time. And so, yeah. It even reminds me, and this, I guess, ties in with, I guess, Ted Lasso without me even realizing it is like, I bought a, um, uh, like a mini futsal ball. Like it's, you know, I play soccer a lot. I love it. Um, and I bought this one while I was in Portugal. It's like this tiny ball. And I dribbled it around all of Portugal, right? Like in Lisbon and Porto. And then when, and then I dribbled it in the airport. And then I, when I got home, I would dribble it around like the suburbs. And then I dribbled it in like Oakland and San Francisco, just like taking it around. Like it was um, like a pet. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but I realized as I was kicking around yesterday, after I got my booster shot, I was in Berkeley and I was dribbling around and I was like, Oh, this ball 
is like a metaphor, right? And the mm-hmm. metaphor that I, I recognize is like, my attitude towards the ball is like, I bought this, but I don't own it. Like mm-hmm. I have it for as long as, I don't even have it. It's just like, it's part of me, but like it might get lost. Someone might take it. It might explode. Like something might happen with it. But right now at this moment, I'm enjoying my experience with it, but it's like, I don't own it. Right. Just like Mm -hmm. I don't own a relationship with a friend. I don't own like, you know, even like my business, it's all organic. It's all like, and the only thing I can feel towards this ball is like gratitude that at this moment I'm enjoying this experience with it. Yeah. And that's all I can do. And I think where the suffering comes is when we think we own stuff, we think Mm. we own stuff. Like we get angry when someone passes away beforehand because we're like, well, they sh- it shouldn't have already happened. Instead of being like, well, I at least got time with that person. Yeah. That's the part that I think is really hard for us to struggle with is, is this idea that it's all a bonus. And I feel like that is what Ted Lasso is constantly doing. He's like, I'm not owed anything. Everything's just gravy. And if I turn this around, great. And if not, this is where we're at. Yeah, yeah. and, and to, to like build on that, like, I think going back to the idea of courage, like it takes a lot of courage to be in that space, right? Because if you're operating from a place of fear, you're going to be in your head the whole time. You can't show up authentically to do that because um, again, like going back to the the press room and to be thrown into that and to just be able to, to, to actually acknowledge like, I don't know anything, you know? I, I in, do a lot of work with in front of all of the England, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Well, England and probably other places, right? Because that's right. probably going right. to get fed out. Because you know, like I do a lot of work with leaders, um, as you do too, and like it's really rare, at least in my experience, to see a leader who's willing to get up and just say, "Yeah, you know what? I don't know. We're going to figure this out. I trust the people around me. We're gonna we're gonna figure this out, and we're gonna do the best that we can." and I just like keep coming back to that idea that like, and I love that so many organizations are now using Ted Lasso as a, uh-huh. uh, you know, like as a model for leadership, because I think that that ability to, to be vulnerable, but also to remember that at the end of the day, we are human beings and like uh-huh. doing the best that we can really is all that we can do. And, and I love that. I love that about this show. And his leadership style. And I am really looking forward to digging into that as the season continues, because I think that we see a lot more of it. It also ties in with the whole idea of like culture, right? Because that word has so like work culture and a lot of leaders try to do it exact work culture. They try to like shove it down your throat and mm-hmm. look what he does, right? He throws a sign up on the wall and then he does small gestures with each individual. That's it. Like, that's what leaders really should be doing. But instead, they're like, we need to have culture and everyone needs to be happy and everyone needs to be hardworking and 24-7. And and they just throw a bunch of stuff on, like, missions on the wall, but then they never actually do any of this stuff. And I think what's great is he only has one thing on there. And then he constantly is showing that he... He believes in that mission, that he really does believe in believing. Like, he believes this could be a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And I think that, you know, the word believe, like, and that was my word of the year for last, for this past year, it means so many different things, right? And in so many different contexts. And, but it's such a simple thing. And I, I love that too. Like when we get introduced to him putting up that sign and to see like the impact that that has made, you know, on professional sports teams now, right? Like we see so many of like the stadiums handing out those signs during games mm-hmm. now. And, and so I think there's, there's really something powerful in that simple word, believe. And so what resonates with you? What about that word got you through this year? I think for me, believe is about like, I don't need to know what's going to happen necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to have everything planned out, right? Like I can believe in my capabilities. I can believe in myself doing everything that I need to do. And I can believe in the fact that like things are going to be okay, like however they play out. It may not always be easy. It may not always be what I expected was going to happen, but it it's okay. Like I'm I'm going to be okay. And so for me, mm. like that's how believe has really resonated. And also like the piece about really uh, believing in myself, I think, is mm-hmm. the big one because this year I had a lot of big shifts with leaving my job and starting my own business and. Or like, I guess, going into my own business full time. And all of that was scary, you know, and to be able to, to go out and do that, like you have to believe in in yourself to do that. Right. Yeah. Like every day, like every day you're asked again to like, think about that. And it kind of ties back in with the, the quote he said earlier, where it was this, what was it? Uh, The harder you work, the luckier you get, like, like this belief that I'm going down this right path or a path that fits for me, right? Yeah. And things are just going to work out work work out. I don't know how they're going to work out, but I yeah. I have this belief that they're going to work out. I, like I know this writer who, you know, is pretty prolific now and I would ask her like how do you know that the book is going to end well? Like that you're going to come to it? and she's like, "Well, I've been doing it so long now that I just trust my intuition that I'll eventually get there." Because yeah. I've gotten there before. And it's like, oh, she's like, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I just believe that I'm going to get there. And and I think that, man, when you not only are able to embrace that for yourself, but then have that ripple effect, get other people to also yes, believe. Yes, yes. Ooh, yeah, Ooh, that's, can, like, it, that's the entity of an organization, right? It's just 100%. like, it's this idea. And then you try to get other people to believe in that same idea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this has been so good. All right. So what is your what would Ted Lasso do lesson that you're going to try to to put into practice for the next week or so? I think I'm going to explore this attunement even more, right? Like I'm going to mm-hmm. think about, I'm going to actually try out in each interaction that I'm going to have, like, um, like this is actually uh, interesting. I don't know if I'm going to get to it by the next session because I don't know when we're meeting next. But I've been challenged by a podcast to go on a 24-hour date. I saw that. That looks amazing. I was like, so oh, I can't it's, wait to see how it's this It's 12 comes hours out. on a Saturday and it's 12 hours on a Sunday. And, <laughs> oh, you know, whoever's listening to this, like it's happening in like a week. Um, so it's 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. and 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. So okay. not only that, I'm meeting, I'm meeting this person for the first time, so I don't even know who this is, but I want to practice attunement with a lot more people. Like, yeah. what is the gesture that I'm actually doing without the goal of trying to get re- reciprocation, just simply doing it because I want to do it. 
you know, like reaching yeah. out to a friend I haven't reached out to in a while, for example, and just being like, I really appreciate that you exist in the world. Boom. That's it. Very simple. But yeah, yeah. I want to do more of that this week. That's what I'm going to okay. do. Okay. All right. Can't, can't wait to hear how it goes. I think I'm really going to work on the um, not taking myself so seriously um, and trying to be a little like less um, controlly about <laughs> my interactions and just, you know, like, and not taking it personally. So really keeping that in the forefront of this isn't about me. And so you're going to do that in like each action that you're and just being observant of it or what? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to notice like, you know, as I'm interacting with people, like if, if things are coming up, just noticing how I feel by just being like, Oh, like this is what they're going through, or this is something about, um, not about me. So I think that's where I want to put my focus this week and see kind of how that goes. Cause I'll have plenty of opportunities (laughs) in these projects I'm working on. So, so we'll see how that goes. So Jeff, thank you so much. This was so much fun. And um, to anyone who is listening, if you enjoyed this or if you're willing to give us another shot, uh, please like, subscribe, and share. And um, Jeff, thank you so much. And I appreciate you. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. This was fun. Let's go. Episode two. (laughs) Take care. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to What Would Ted Lasso Do? If you got any nuggets of Ted Lasso wisdom from this episode, try them out in your life and let us know what happens at WWTLD Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, or at our website, www.tldpodcast.com, where you'll also find a full transcript of the show. We love hearing what other TED heads took away from the episode or details or perspectives that we might have missed. And if you do like the show, please subscribe and head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. It all helps. We don't know exactly why, but it does. So in the spirit of believing in hope, believing in believe, please help us out. And thank you to Podify and Sam Davidson for producing our show, to Kajal Dabalia for our visuals and graphics, and to Kenzie Slatel for our theme song. And most of all, thank you to all of you for listening. Ted Lasso could simply just be another show to binge watch. Or if we challenge ourselves to consistently ask the question, What would Ted Lasso do? It could change the trajectory of your life. It has for us. So join us again next time as we explore another episode and ask ourselves, what would Ted Lasso do?